What's the state of the training industry? And where are learning leaders investing their time and resources? We actually took a look at high-performing organizations versus sort of regular organizations and then underperforming organizations. And it was really interesting for us to see that generally speaking, high-performing organizations invest more in leadership development than those companies that underperform the market. There is a relationship there between the quality of your leadership team and the impact your company can make. That's Ken Taylor, CEO of Training Industry. Ken explains why corporate training budgets are up, where learning leaders are looking to invest, and how AI is impacting us all. Next on Powered by Learning. Powered by Learning is brought to you by DaVinci Interactive. DaVinci's approach to learning is grounded in 30 years of innovation and expertise. We use proven strategies and leading technology to develop solutions that empower learners to improve quality and boost performance. Learn more at DaVinci.com. With me today is DaVinci CEO Luke Kemsky and the CEO of training industry, Ken Taylor. Ken, thanks for joining us. It's great to talk with you again. Great to see you, Ken. Thanks a lot for having me on. Well, Ken, for listeners who aren't familiar with training industry, share a little bit about your organization. Sure. Well, Training Industry is a website and a series of information pieces that are made available to both buyers and suppliers of corporate learning and development. So we really focus on corporate training as opposed to training larger contexts. Resources are primarily free, a place where you can go to learn how to do things or how to solve problems you might have with your corporate learning team. We enjoy the resource. So thank you for all you and your organization do. And it was a fantastic TICE this year. I mean, I think there were like close to 600 people attending. Yeah, it was a great show. Great mix of people, lots of lot of industry coverage. It was really fun to to see the groups be able to gather and talk about problems in their industry also. So it was it was nice. Good 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 event. No, I agree. I think this was my seventh or eighth time attending it. And honestly, one of the highlights for me every year is to hear that state of the industry presentation. It's it's just really great to hear about the challenges and successes that people are facing in the industry. Talk a little bit about how you put that report together each year. Yeah. So one of the things that we uh, have the luxury of is as part of the services we provide to these heads of learning and development is we rank training companies. Um, So we collect about seven or 800 companies worth of information. And they tell us what new innovation they're they're bringing out in the marketplace, where they generate their revenue from selling what products and services, how much they're growing. Um, And we use that along with our extensive buy side research to determine a market size. And we've been doing that now for pretty close to 20 years. And uh, it's the combination of data we collect from buyers and the supply side data that we we get. And we bring those two together to do a prediction of the market. And then we adjust that after the year end to see you know what, where, where the numbers actually land. And we're going to break this all down today. So people have a good understanding of where we are in the industry, just from where you're sitting. How is the training industry looking now that we're more than halfway through 2023? It's been a good year. I think at the start of the year and for the update, um, we suggested that the total market was still going to grow um, about a percent in total. Actually, that the services, products and services purchased side of the market was actually growing quicker than sort of the internal L&D department expenses. They've tried to hold those steady because they're really investing in a couple of key areas. Compliance, obviously, because that's always a necessary evil when it comes to corporate training. A heavy focus on leadership development and growing the capability set for the leaders that they have inside their organization because they know the impact great leaders can have on retaining employees. And we're all fighting for labor right now. So it's uh, that's been a really high focus. And then the other area 
that's been growing ahead of sort of the overall market is learning technologies. And we always ask a, a, a funny question is, if you found a few dollars left in your budget, where would you spend it? And uh, the number one thing that comes back is, is learning tech. And what would you say, Ken, is driving that desire to invest more in both technology and leadership development? What's, what's motivating and inspiring those organizations to invest more? I think it starts with the importance of leaders to driving sort of the total overall organizational performance. We actually took a look at high-performing organizations versus sort of regular organizations and then underperforming organizations. And it was really interesting for us to see that, generally speaking, high-performing organizations invest more in leadership development than those companies that underperform the market. There is a relationship there between the quality of your leadership team and the impact your company can make. Uh, the tech investment for us is an interesting one. What we've seen is the tech, the investment in tech is tending to be around the periphery of the tech stack. If you if you think holistically about what's in a technical stack, uh, technology stack for um, for for a learning department, you have your core is your LMS. But what we're really seeing is is they make investments around in authoring tools, in AI systems that help them build programs, in coaching platforms, like s- some of the things that go around the edge of it, learning and development. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I know at the TICE conference and articles that are being published on your website and other learning sites, the interest and energy around AI, particularly generative AI on developing learning. How would you recommend at this point that leaders of learning inside organizations respond to this sensational increase in interest around the new technology that's really upon us pretty quickly when it comes to how it's applying to learning? It's a great question. I mean, the use of AI and L&D is a bit, uh, first of all, it's scary to learning leaders. They're concerned that it's going to make their role obsolete because you can use generative AI to develop a course. Well, the problem using generative AI to develop a course is you still have to find a subject matter expert to make sure that the answer is correct, right? So there's still going to be that human interaction with the output from from the system to make sure it's authentic, true, you know, supportable. But it certainly does speed up your ability to develop courseware. It gives you the, the kinds of topics you should probably cover when teaching a certain subject. So I think I think it is very helpful in that way. The exciting part for me of AI in learning and development is around the area of coaching. One of the big things large organizations struggle with is, was the program consistently rolled out for all the people that it was rolled out to, right? So is it the same uh, in all the geos that we, we rolled out to? Is it the same across all departments? Well, if you can use AI to develop a coaching algorithm that will basically make sure that everybody understands it the same way and can interact with the coach on their time to practice the skills that they've learned. I see, I think that's a really exciting opportunity for, for learning because that can ensure that you have consistent application of new skills across departments and across regions. Yeah, that's really, de- that's definitely a good use case. I think too, that in terms of there's always seems to be more demand for learning content than is possible for a learning department or even with partners to produce. So there's always more demand than able to be produced. So I think an opportunity to be able to produce more high quality content in an engaging way to meet more of the demand and and hopefully impact organizational performance at a higher level. Yeah, yeah, you're you're right on. Budget's always a constraint, right? There's there's always more demand than than the organization can support. So to the extent that you can get more courseware developed quicker using these technologies, I think uh, 
it, it will certainly allow the training team to make a bigger impact. And that's really what we're talking about here. There was so much conversation about AI at the training industry conference and expo and so much energy around it. And I think what was so exciting, Ken, was that everybody was learning from each other at the conference, just like we're learning from reading the articles on your website and other industry sites. And I think the more we talk about it, the more we learn from each other, the more we can really start to find those use cases and find those efficiencies to make us do our jobs better. And like you said, not removing the humans, just finding better purposes for the humans in the process. Yeah, exactly. That, that was, that's the exciting, that, that's sort of the training industry philosophy, right? The, the reason we built this company is we always thought that a collection of voices were, were better than a single voice. So we, we purposely tried to not be the single voice of learning and development. We we always want it to be a community of voices. And that's the exciting thing about Atice is there was probably 10 different presentations on application of AI. Um, so you could hear different perspectives or, or different use cases. So that's what's always fun. When you think about uh, how the balance between kind of technology-driven learning experiences and then people-driven learning experiences, how do you see that evolving and the importance of having both Interesting factoid also that came out of the, the information we shared at TICE um, was that the sort of the second most likely place that they'll reinvest is to do more instructor-led training. So there's still there's still a need for that. Um, now it can be virtually it's virtual instructor-led or remote instructor-led, but the the concept of having somebody there to teach a course is still highly coveted by everybody in the practice. And I think I think that's one of those ones where again when you're supply constrained. Anything you can do to save more money so that you can do more instructor-led training seems to be something that a lot of organizations are really interested in. What are the thought about cohort-based, you know, where you have a combination of technology, but then you also have a cohort that's together? I mean, I know your CPTM program is very much cohort-based. You could even say TICE is somewhat, yeah. uh, you know, in terms of there's been a community that's built. How do you see that evolving and do you see that playing an increasing role over time. Yeah, I think that the two things that the, the cohort learning platforms allow you to do is, is it allows you to scale a program really quickly um, so you can get it program rolled out faster. But to your point, it's the cohort nature. You, you create community so that as they go through the class together. If you just take a class, one like just a one-shot class, the community doesn't stay on. But if you by, by using these technologies, you create sort of small groups of people that can chat with each other after, or if they run into a problem applying what they've learned, they can talk to somebody else. It, it really does create sort of a community experience. And I think that's the advantage of, of the technology. And I think that's why it's more and more being adopted in more and more places. The CPTM program, we designed it to be like that kind of before the technology was ready to <laughs> ready to handle it. We sort of kludged a technology term, uh, the technologies around it to make that experience happen. But now much, much easier to actually create journeys uh, where you can put different modes together and, and create an experience. It's time. In your research, as things have evolved, I know there was a lot of interest in past years about data and analytics. Has that interest fallen off or is it still still staying there? I mean, measuring the impact of our programs always the most important problem that heads of L&D are trying to solve. I mean, I think sometimes we make that journey more complicated necessarily than it has to be. Because I think if you recognize that the most expensive part of the training program is the people's time guard that very carefully so you use it very wisely, um, then the return of your program is going to be almost exponential. 
if, it, if it's designed correctly. All of these platforms are providing even more data to the heads of L&D to do even better analysis of the impact of their program. And again, when you start to think of the concept of an AI coach and the data that that's going to collect at the end, you can really start to see, I, I had took people that were at this stage, uh, you know, at an early stage or, at a, or a low performance level, and then I've allowed them to practice that I can now show you that they perform well. Like that's going to really help the function again, uh, demonstrate the impact and value it's creating. I uh, also wanted to take a look at the role of the learning leader and also the, you know, the learning department inside organizations. What trends are you seeing there and uh, how, how would you expect to see that evolve in the next months and years? Yeah, I think they're I think they're being brought into more and more change initiatives. I think it's now becoming I think it was like sort of an afterthought. It's like, oh, we're gonna do this major change. Oh, let's go get somebody in learning and development to to kind of tell them what we just did and build a program to fix it, right? So I do think it's now being thought of as part of the journey. So okay, so we're going to make a change from operating in this fashion to operating in that in a new fashion. What are the steps that we need to do to move the employees? Uh, from how they're currently operating to the way we want them to operate. So I, I think I think the function has become more important. I think through the DE&I explosion, again, they look to training and development because it was a major change initiative and how they could help make that transformation. So I think it's an exciting time for the function. I think there's a lot of pressure on the function. They're getting asked to do a lot more things. And in the context of a corporation, when you're getting asked to do a lot more things, that usually allows you to ask for a little bit more budget, but they don't generally flow perfectly together. It does seem like over the years, though, that I've been observing that people in the L&D industry have more of a seat at the table, have more of a voice with the C-suite. Are you seeing that too, Ken, in the industry? And how else have you seen the training industry kind of change over the years? Yeah, so I am seeing more of a voice and I am seeing the strength of the function improve such that they don't always say, yeah, we can train that, you know, train the employee to do it differently. They're more holistically looking at the problem and making recommendations that sometimes don't include training. And I think that's the kind of credibility that you get, that a function gets when it's able to say, no, that's really not us. We're not, we're not going to help you make that shift. We've got to do it a different way. Or we don't have that capability in-house. We've got to go to market to find someone to help us do that. I think they're starting to think more holistically about the impact that they, they want to create and who's best to do it. I think that those kinds of business acumen type of skills um, are really helping people who are running these organizations now because the, the conversation is more credible. It's not just, hey, I need a program on uh, marketing skills for my marketing team. And, and you say, yeah, great, I'll go get you one. It's like, well, no, where, 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 do you, where, are, you, where are your people now and where do you want them to be? And now let's talk about what those skills are. And then, then I can go and help you either design a program or source one to make that journey happen. It seems as the industry has changed, of course, training industry, your organization has had to be really agile as well. You know, how is it the same and how has it changed over the years? I, th I think there are parts of it that have stayed pretty similar. Like I think the compliance domain, uh, generally speaking, has is, is not had a, a tremendous amount of innovation. I think that's why uh, L&D historically has a, had a bit of a bad rap because your first exposure is always some page turner uh compliance activity or or somebody trying to uh, to catch you making a mistake by clicking on a link and something um, so, <laughs> so that's that's the origin that's the first touch a lot of people have you know that onboarding program that feels a little bit compliancy um, but I really do think the function is now bringing sort of a full a full resource kit to the table to help affect change and I think that's been the big change that's been my observation over the years that I've been uh, watching the industry is it, it it's gone very much from I'm going to teach you this skill to know I'm going to help the organization make this shift and retain its employees along the way exactly exactly 
And how, how about the backgrounds of the, the people involved in learning and development? Are you seeing any shifts in that in terms of are they trained in training, if you will, or are they coming from other areas and then trying to figure out or some combination of both? Yeah, it's it's still a funny, it's still a funny, odd group of folks, right? I mean, it's uh, you have people that were really good at doing something are now teaching it and they start teaching it. And then they say, oh, this is an interesting function that they end up running it. Um, so there's that sort of career path that we see a lot of. It's still a reasonably transient group. Like uh, to give you a, a sense, training industries audience turns over by about 25% per year. And there's a big group that stays for a long time, but but we're getting new people every, like thousands of new people registering with training industry every month. And our distribution list or our, or our membership doesn't really change much, but it, it's constantly turning over. And why that's interesting to me is it means there's still a lot of people that need informing, need all of the experiences that we've seen happen over the last however many years that we've been doing it in the training industry. They, they still are, it's all brand new for them. It's like the, the first time somebody says needs analysis, like we've been saying needs analysis forever, but somebody just gets, becomes a training manager and goes like, how do I decide whether or not they need it? Well, you do a needs analysis. Okay, well, great. You know, how do I do that? Well, yeah, I don't know how to do that. I'll, I'll go check out. But there's something on training industry on how to do a needs analysis. It's constantly reusing the same techniques and approaches that, that we've been teaching for a long time. That's a, also very reflective in our clients uh, in terms of that, you know, there are all kinds in terms of coming in with instructional design expertise and speaking the language versus kind of having instincts around it, but not necessarily knowing all the language. Yeah. Definitely keeps it interesting. So uh, what, what kind of things are you working on these days and uh, kind of what's next for training industry? So we're getting close to the time of year where we're going to publish sort of our trend for this year and next year. So we're uh, <clears throat> the editorial and research team are all huddled uh, together. Uh, this is the time of year we, we start to go through um, sort of website metrics and what are people consuming and what are people interested in? Interested in. Uh, so we're, gonna, we're, we're working on that conversation. We're actually just wrapping up our, our call for uh proposals for the magazine for next year. So we got hundreds and hundreds of submissions for that. So we're pretty excited by uh, by the, the, the nature of some of the content we'll have for next year, um, both on the website as, as well as in the magazine. So that's the, that's the time of year we're in. It's sort of the getting ready for the fall rush. We're excited to continue to partner with Training Industry. We appreciate the resource that you provide to our team. And certainly we enjoy the camaraderie and the education we get in being with everyone who's connected to Training Industry. Thanks, Ken. Yeah, really appreciate that. Yeah, thanks so much for sharing your expertise with us and with our audience on Powered by Learning. We'll look forward to seeing you at the next TICE, if not before. Thanks so much. Bye-bye. Luke, it's always good to chat with Ken and learn what the industry is doing. Yes, Susan, really enjoyed talking to Ken. He and his team at Training Industry have a really good pulse on L&D. It was good to hear that the industry is growing. And you know, it sounds like that growth is being driven by competition in the talent market and using training as a way to grow leaders who really are key to retaining employees. You know, we also talked about AI adoption in L&D and its potential to really help training departments and their partners produce more high quality learning experiences to meet that increasing demand of internal and external learners. You know what else was good to hear? that learning leaders are becoming more of a partner in leading change initiatives and helping drive organizational success. I know we're hearing that more from our clients and that's a great sign. So lots of positive energy in our business right now. Let's keep the momentum going. Absolutely, I couldn't agree more. Thanks Luke. 
And special thanks to our guest, Ken Taylor, CEO of Training Industry. You can learn more at trainingindustry.com. And don't forget that you can subscribe to Powered by Learning wherever you listen to your podcasts.